You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. I like arguing God, whether God exists, what God might be like. For me, God debate is good fun. But God debate is not a game. And when I get serious about God, I wonder about God. Critically, whether there is a God. Philosophically, about God's essence and traits. I wonder about all the ways that God could be or could not be. I seek those of different views whose gods have different shapes and stripes. I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn and Closer to Truth is how I wonder about God. I start at Oxford with the Regis Professor of Divinity Emeritus, Keith Ward. Trained in philosophy, Keith seeks the deep structure of theology beyond specific religious doctrines. Keith, what does that word God name? What are the things that God could be? God is not a thing, God is not an object, not a, not a person in the sense of one person among others. You can't just say God is so mysterious you know nothing at all about God, but still, God is not anything you can easily imagine. God is always beyond that, okay. So beyond in what sense? In asking about God, you're asking about the ultimate reality which accounts for the existence of the universe, and that's gonna be very different from anything within the universe. But you've gotta take analogies from somewhere uh, you can't just say God's a great blank. Uh, and of course, persons are the most developed forms of uh, organism that we know about in the universe. So starting from persons, at least you're saying, well, this is the best I know about. It's got to be infinitely better than that, but it can't be worse. God is infinitely more because God is the cause of everything who conceives all possible worlds and actualizes this possible world and uh, is not subject to the sort of moral demands that humans are subject to because God is the source of all moral demands. He is goodness itself, not just good. So it's a, it's a double process of thinking, well, better than the best, so we start with the best, but much better than the best, so not really very like that. God is the, is the source of everything that exists, but again, not in a very straightforward way. So it's not that God starts things off, uh, it's rather that everything somehow depends on something that is beyond time. So God is that on which all finite things depend for their existence and their nature. So that's one strand of it. Uh, and another strand is that God is, in the words of Anselm in the Christian tradition, uh, that than which nothing greater, more perfect, can be conceived. So God is a maximum of value 
And in fact, the way of getting to, to say what, God, what the word God names is to ask yourself the question, what would be the most perfect possible sort of being? And that's what God would be. Now, is it logically necessary, though, to have God being the greatest conceivable being? Because uh, I could take like a minimal definition of God, which would be the the opposite, saying, what is the minimum requirement to have a being to create this universe? Well, I think the pressure in the theological tradition is to look for something which is somehow self-explanatory. Mm. But if you hypothesize just for a while that there could be something that explains itself, then you say, what would it be? Well, it certainly wouldn't be just something which was happened to be powerful enough to create a universe, because you'd say, well, why is it that powerful and not more or less powerful? Uh. Okay. Uh, and if you're looking to answer that question purely theoretically, you know, in imagination, uh, what, could there be anything self-explanatory? I think there are two components to that. One would be um, the idea of necessity. It's self something is self-explanatory if it has to be the way it is. But that's not enough. You also need the word of value. That is to say, it exists because it's good that it exists. And the idea of God is a construct, it's a human construct for something which would bring together necessity and value. So you'd get uh, something which necessarily exists and is of the greatest possible value. And part of the reason it necessarily exists is that precisely it is the greatest possible value. It is the best thing there could be. Necessity and value. To Keith, these are the core characteristics of God. If God exists, God is so overwhelming and God's traits so broad. I've seen so many views of God drawn by philosophers, theologians, scientists, portraying the grand religious traditions or no religion at all. Why such diversity? Multiple dimensions of the divine creator or intrinsic contradiction and utter confusion. The Islamic God is radically transcendent, ineffable. God is. It's difficult to answer the question, does God exist? Because uh, if existence becomes a limitation on God's nature, then we cannot deny existence, but we would have to explain it. So God is, and God uh, is not a body, not a form, not a thing limited in space or time, but God in his essence is unknowable. We know God only through his attributes. These attributes have been conveniently divided by the mystics of Islam into two basic categories, the attributes of beauty and the attributes of majesty. The attributes of beauty deal with God's attribute as creator, as merciful, as forgiving, and so on. Uh, and they are uh, embodied in a, a concentrated way uh, in uh, paradise. God's attributes of majesty 
manifest God's attributes of uh, punishing, uh, of uh, uh, all-conquering, of uh, dominating uh, God as the all-great divine judge rather than the divine God of mercy. And in a concentrated way, they are manifested in hell. And so there is then nothing in creation but that it manifests one or the other of the divine attributes. The Jewish God is wholly engaged with humanity, even struggles with human beings. What can we say about God? What can't we say about God? Uh, and, and most important, I guess, what do we do with the, with the chaotic? What do we do with those endless stretches of time in our everyday experience of the world where terrible things happen and where God seems to be sleeping or on a coffee break or away or whatever? And how do you put the whole thing together? It, it, I guess it's, it's an attempt to put uh, the ultimate pattern. Is there a pattern? I'm convinced there is an atheist at the heart of every believer, and there's a believer at the heart of atheist. And the thing that separates us is the frequency. What's the overriding pattern? The atheist has to deal with the moments of, of incredible cosmos, of coherence, of meaning. Uh, the believer has to deal with those moments of chaos, of absurdity, of, of craziness. And I guess you have to make your choice. It's a leap of faith. It's an existential decision. Where do you want to cast your lot? I want to cast my lot on the prevalence of, of, of meaning, of coherence, of order. And then I struggle with the chaos. I struggle with the, with the, uh, with the incoherence. And that's the struggle. That's the fun. That's what, that's what makes thinking about these issues so interesting. The Buddhist God is, well, as if there is no God, or really, there is no God. God and gods may exist because the existence of supernatural beings is already within the belief system. You see, I used to be telling those days that Buddhism is a religion without dogma. Mm. Till a friend of mine pointed out that it is a dogma itself. <laughs> so, ever since then, I say very clear, clearly, here the Buddha, we have, they say certain things very clearly. He says, what I am not prepared to accept is that everything happens because a God created. I want you to be the creator of your destiny. Mm. So the human being taking the responsibility for himself. So some of the uh, recent interpreters of Buddhism has found a very interesting uh, term for it. They say Buddhism has functional atheism as its uh, basis. Functionally, he doesn't play a role in our lives. Mm. 
when a tsunami hits our countries, we do not say God did it, it was an act of God. Mm. We won't sue him. <laughs> At the same time, we wouldn't say this is because it's entirely something that uh, happened because of accident. We say there must be that the people who suffer may be suffering for some action of their previous lives or present lives for which some kind of moral punishment or moral retribution was due to them. So it is in that context that Buddhism has talked in terms of not placing any kind of functional responsibility either as a creator or as uh, the one who is uh, permanently supervising the human race or something. That kind of the concept is missing in Buddhism. It is a way to teach us detachment. Pantheism is the ancient idea that God is all and all is God, that the universe and God are one. Pantheism of the sort which I think makes most sense is the view that everything which exists is part of God. Some people think of God as a divine mind which carries in itself the structure of our universe. I take that theory very seriously. I have for many years been working on the Platonic view that the reason why the universe exists is that it's ethically demanded that it, it, that it exists. It's a good system and its goodness is responsible for its existence. The fact that it's good sets up the requirement that it should exist and it has existed eternally because of that. Now this can only make sense, I think, against the background of pantheism. Many people would say that in order to understand the divine existence, you have to say that it's based on the divine goodness. That the reason why God exists is that it is good that God should exist. And I'd go further than this, I'd believe in an infinite series of minds, each of which knew everything worth knowing. You could call the whole infinite co collection God, or you could use the word God just for the God in the infinite mind in which you exist, or you could say that the word God shouldn't be used here at all. There is a classic tradition that we can never know what God is. We can only know what God is not. If God exists, and this is the universe, and these are the scriptures, how do we understand it all? So, uh, and this is the difference between what was previously called natural theology and a theology of nature. So uh, we're, we're not trying to identify divine action in any particular causal sequence or something like that to prove God exists. There's a, been a revival um, uh, recently in, in what's called apathetic theology or negative theology. Uh, the idea that if God is infinite, then, then nothing that humans can say in human language is adequate to describing God. So the only affirmative things you could say about the attributes of God is what God is not. So to call God a father, for instance, is purely metaphoric speech. And God is not literally a father. If a God were a father, it wouldn't be God. Um, so 
uh, that which nothing greater is, can be thought, this idea of the negative space. If you eliminate all attributes, what you're left with is God. Some modern theologians believe that the human concept of God needs updating, refining, re-understanding. As a Christian theologian, I can only start by saying that uh, this tradition has a complex history of dealing with this complex notion of God that has evolved through notions of Trinitarianism and, and beyond that, and it is today being rethought in, in very many ways. So, uh, so the idea of God, I think, has to be taken up within a very specific tradition, within a very specific faith, and uh, it breaks down into very specific kinds of theologies. Otherwise, the conversation becomes so abstract and generic that we always end up with, with these highly personal belief systems that we just display. If you look at, at the, the atrocities that has happened in the name of religions, in the history uh, of our species, surely all of that should function into uh, what it is we are now uh, uh, refining and fine-tuning as our notions of God. I don't think you can abstractly, you know, get from various little, little strands, weave them together, and then finally uh, uh, you have uh, something that might uh, uh, look like God. I, if it, I wish it were like that. I don't think it is like that. But I can say this. I think that wherever the concept of God goes, uh, it will most probably still be concepts of God. I think that various religions and their various strands will keep on evolving and, and hopefully, uh, for the good of humankind, uh, uh, refine their concepts of God so as to feed back into the way we live our lives and, and you know, hopefully make this uh, world a better place. Uh, but uh, beyond that, who knows? Who knows? To some, the notion of an interventionist magician god is offensive, but meaning or purpose in the universe is still to be sought. The word god means different things to, to different people, and so we have to be really careful that we just don't use it in a sloppy manner. Now, when I was a, a child, I had this sort of popular image of, of God, of uh, sort of super being up there in the sky or beyond the universe, like a cosmic magician who could conjure the universe into being, uh, who existed within time, who watched uh, things go along and intervened from time to time to work miracles. When I became a scientist, I hated that idea. Um, hated the idea that the laws of nature could be uh, overruled or, or uh, suspended in some way. Uh, the idea of God as uh, just another force of nature. Uh, well, we've got gravitation, we've got electromagnetism. Oh, and then there's God from time to time, you know, prodding atoms around uh, with additional forces and then disappearing uh, for long periods of time. And, uh, and I think that idea is offensive to theologians as well, the idea of God as a, um, a fitful being uh, who intervenes from time to time, a sort of cosmic tinkerer, all uh, horrible. Um, uh, but then we have a more sophisticated notion of God as maybe uh, a timeless being uh, who is the ground in which the rationality of the universe is rooted. 
Uh, and that idea has a lot of appeal. I think it's really what many physicists, even though they may not use the word God, actually believe. I've uh, recently come to a completely different point of view in which uh, I think uh, we should try to get away from the notion of um, a, a universe uh, which has meaning and purpose because it's imposed on it by some external being. Uh, and in fact, I would rather get away from the word God altogether and focus on this meaning or purpose. And I see no reason why we can't. About God, I am taken with wonder, though sometimes I'm also taken by guilt. I feel intellectually backward, embarrassed, for wondering without arguing, for enjoying speculations about the nature of God without pursuing analysis of the existence of God. Can I believe without reason? Is that faith or excuse? God is not a game. Am I playing a game? Am I justified in wondering about God? To find out, I go to Notre Dame to visit a towering figure in the philosophy of religion, Alvin Plantinger. Al explains what it takes to believe in God. Well, first of all, let's suppose that initially, at any rate, belief in God is uh, justifiable. That is, you're not going to any contrary to any intellectual duties or obligations in accepting belief in God. And let's suppose, secondly, that it's also rational. It's not a manifestation of some malfunction of your mind or spirit, if in fact you believe in God, as presumably it isn't, given that so many people do in fact believe in God. Um, and let's th suppose, thirdly even, that it has uh, at least some of that property, enough of which separates knowledge from mere true belief. There's a difference from a lucky, between a lucky guess on the one hand and knowing something on the other. And let's call that difference whatever exactly it is, however we want to characterize it, that's another large question, let's call that warrant. And let's suppose that belief in God also has warrant, at least some degree of warrant initially. Well then there are these proposed defeaters. So a defeater for a belief that you've got is some other belief that you acquire such that Given that you've got that second belief, you can't anymore rationally hold the first belief. Right. And among the ones that have been suggest suggested would be, first of all, the argument from evil. There is all this evil in the world. I mean, all the suffering and pain. So doesn't that, isn't that a defeater for belief in God? Um, it's not obviously a defeater because God might have a reason for doing, for permitting evil in the world. And lots of people have suggested a wide variety of reasons. Lots of these reasons have to do with free will. But one thing to think about here is that if God did have a reason for permitting all this evil, it's not at all likely that we would know what that reason is. Or put it like this, from the fact that we don't know what the reason is, it doesn't follow that it's uh, unlikely that God has a reason. The distance between us and him, between our uh, cognitive epistemic situation and his situation is just too great for that, just too great for that. So I do wonder about God, I admit it. 
Wondering can reveal the richness of God's existence or expose the bankruptcy of God's non-existence. I like Keith Ward's necessity and value. Necessity, it's impossible for God not to exist. Value, goodness drives existence. God is the greatest possible being. Islam's God transcends existence. Jews struggle with God's polarities, good and evil, coherence and chaos. Buddhist functional atheism removes God from human affairs. Paul Davies is offended by an interventionist God who would violate the laws of nature. John Leslie's vision of infinite minds, what could be bigger? Knowing God in the negative, evolving concepts of God, these two add breadth to what God may be about. I'm taken by Alvin Plantinga's expositions, but I remain skeptical in banking my belief on the prevalence of human practice. Many exhort me that to know God is to experience God, to sense the feelings and emotions of belief and worship. But I distrust feelings and emotions. I'll keep wondering about God, profoundly unsure whether I'll ever get closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and meaning, visit our website, closertotruth.com.